0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. And
1: venture on this today because actually we're going to have a chat about I think an issue which is pretty indicative of lots of problems in British society if I'm honest with you. Um, I don't think it's controversial to say that the British media is a massive burning skip. It's just an open sewer um, and the stench can often be pretty overpowering. On a daily basis newspapers in this country whip up hatred and bigotry against minorities. Historically, gay people were a favorite target in, in the 1980s and 1990s. Back in the past, it was Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe. It was um, those who came over the Windrush generation um, from the 1940s onwards. It was British Asians, Muslims, uh, refugees, of course, traditionally of all creeds, uh, uh, migrants, uh, benefit claimants. We could go on. People who are, whose lives are often very, very hard who are told to turn their bigotry uh, or their anger, sorry, on all the wrong targets rather than holding the powerful to account for the problems in British society to blame people whose lives are even more difficult than their own. Now, in this country, we've had for the last few years what can only be described as an ever escalating, sinister and gruesome anti-trans moral panic Replicating, in so many gruesome ways, the anti-gay moral panic of the 1980s and 1990s when gay people were almost on a daily basis monstered by the British media as sexual predators, as those who were seeking to recruit and brainwash children, as defiers of the laws of biology, as being defined by a, being a fetish or being a mental illness, uh, for seeking to impose their so-called lifestyle on the rest of society and force a majority, a normal majority to conform to the whims of a, of a decadent, um, uh, morally depraved minority. Now, of course, these tunes are all being played once again, but this time the focus is on trans people. Now, we live in a society which is defined by male violence against girls and women. 1.4 million women face domestic violence every year 400,000 women are sexually assaulted between 85,000 and 90,000 women are raped all women essentially have faced some form of sexual harassment in a society which objectifies and degrades women on a daily basis now the anger at that pandemic of male violence has been redirected against a tiny tiny minority instead of being angry for example at the government closing down refuges for women or locking up women in prisons, women who have been abused often disproportionately by their partners who suffered male violence and often have have huge trauma. Rather than being angry at those problems, the focus has been on a very, very small minority, trans people, whose lives have been made ever more difficult. Now, this brings me to a piece in the Daily Mail, which I'll bring up. So this was a piece which appeared, let's see, when it was, it was the 25th of February um a Tory councillor here we go so here's the headline I was frozen to the spot in shock it was said to intimidate how a friendly chat and the ladies of a London pub turned menacing and plunged the Tory councillor 22 into the clash between trans rights and women's safety so she starts these days I don't feel safe going to the ladies lose anymore alone sorry that's a statement I never thought I'd make. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? I'm neither shy nor fearful, but after my experience at Westminster Pub earlier this month, that's how I feel. Frequently, frequented predominantly by civil servants, the Marquis of Granby is near where I work, but I could just as easily have be been in, in any pub in the country. It was a Wednesday night, and I was attending an event upstairs. Before heading home, after a pleasant evening, I went to the ladies' loo, which has two cubicles. I emerged from mine at the same time as a woman next to me, next door, who at about six foot tall, towered over me. She wore skimpy top, which made her shoulders seem bigger, and she spoke with a strikingly deep voice. A trans woman, the the lavatory was cramped and I had to stand directly behind her while waiting to use the wash basin. She goes on, I can't deny I was a bit shocked. Yes, there was a sense of novelty. What would she be like? Well, we had quite a nice chat. Not exactly girly, but friendly. I thought this is going well, I'm handling the situation fine. I didn't treat you any differently. Why would I? We spoke about the paucity of loo paper, the dreadful taps and temperamental hand dryer. It was as she moved to the door to leave that it happened. I remarked that we had no choice but to awkwardly shake our hands dry, and she turned to me and replied, I'm going to wipe my hands on my penis. With that, she disappeared. Until this, our conversation had been quite positive and pleasant. Now I was frozen to the spot in shock. There was no doubt in my mind that this was a threat of sorts. Why would you assert the fact you had a penis in a female single-sex space, sp- single space? I felt like I'd been flashed as a penis image it was put in my mind by her announcement. It was said to intimidate. The close proximity made it much scarier, scarier still. Once she turned violent, it would be 10 minutes before my friend realized I was missing. They were waiting outside. And when I told them they were equally shocked, I just wanted to go home. It goes on. Okay. What actually happened here? Well, I'm about to bring in a guest to talk over this alleged incident. If you're watching live, do click on the YouTube link, press like and subscribe. Keep us on the road at patreon.com forward slash OwenJones84. And uh, you can also support the channel using Super Chat. I will read out um, I'll put any questions to Sophie and talk and go through them at the end. Let's bring in Sophie now. Hey, Sophie. Hey, Alan, how's it going? I'm all right. So just to explain, Sophie is a prominent streamer and many things. YouTuber, actually. I've, YouTuber. I've been
2: misaccredited I've as a streamer repeatedly. It's very strange.
1: Sorry, Yeah, I should say that. You know, once Douglas Murray wrote a ranter actually attacking me over trans rights, but he, um, he, he called me a YouTuber and everyone, <laughs> all the anti-trans people online were like, mic drop Douglas, you got him there. Calling him <laughs> up. I was like, why do I care? I am a YouTuber. Why is that an insult? Uh,
2: I suppose I do stream. You know what? I take it back.
1: Yeah, I mean I this is streaming, sort of. Yeah. Um how you doing?
2: Um Yeah. I, I it was funny for a couple of days. Uh we saw this silly um article where this woman had obviously made up a lie to try and attack trans people, and then I found out about well we'll get into it but you know um yeah. it was very, it was very funny for a couple of days and then it kind of hit me that i'd been sexually harassed in the national press and that well, was, let's, um
1: let's yeah. talk about this so okay. when you saw this article when when did you read the article cuz this this article came out a couple was it was a couple of week a week and a half ago yeah. yeah i
2: must have read it on sunday morning um, there's actually there, i had actually replied something to it on twitter um just seeing it as a very silly story that was obviously fake cuz we were all saying well that clearly didn't happen who's gonna say they're gonna wipe their hands on their penis that's just a nonsense Mm -hmm. um and um then the next day a friend of mine uh posted into my my my, like uh social discord for my friends saying (laughs) um hey i think this is the pub that we went to after the brianna jai vigil and um I hadn't paid that close attention to the article before, but I went in and had another look and I was like that. Oh, that is actually the pub that we went to after the Brianna Jai vigil. If people aren't aware that a uh, vigil for Brianna Jai, the 16 year old child who was murdered, um, who the, the press have been, uh, dead naming and refusing to report that she was trans and refusing to call it a hate crime and so on. Um, we were at that vigil at the, the department for education. And then, uh, we went to a pub around the corner to try and stay as a group so that we wouldn't be under, under threat of, um, you know violence from from far-right bigots um I've, I've made reference to this before that this is like something that's happened in the westminster area i mean oh and it's literally happened to you right like it's it's it, it it can't be it's not totally safe for queer people in central london in recent years and so yeah we we just went to hang out as a group of friends we went to this <laughs> part it was very very tory um mm-hmm. i didn't think too much of it because like we'll just keep to ourselves and it would be that big a deal um at one point, I went to the loo. I made kind of awkward but nice small talk with a cis woman who was there. And um, we left, and there was really no, no issue. And then and then when we saw this article. And then, um, you know, so when I... It was bizarre. I saw the article. We slowly pieced together that it was one of us. Actually, my friend who posted it was like, this was the pub we went to, so which one of you dickheads is going around saying you wiped your hands on your penis? <laughs> um, and, and then I, I recalled going to the toilet and, and that we'd had this little awkward small talk. And then when she had, when I'd been drying my hands, well, I tried to use the dryer, it was terrible. And I was like, oh, that's not working. And she said, we'll have to shake. And I paused for a second because I thought, what? Um, but then I realized she meant, shake your hands dry. And then I said, oh, I'll wipe my hands on my jeans. And I did that and I left. Um...
1: Jeans. So just so jeans. everyone's, because people might have yeah. missed this on, it been on... <laughs> it's been all over my Twitter feed, So I kind of feel like I know this story inside out now. But yeah, yeah my jeans. Jeans. Yeah. jeans. yeah. Not. In case people
2: Not- miss hear misheard that, I'll just say one more time. I will wipe my hands on my jeans.
1: So what's happened here is, and by the way, I know what's going to happen now. Just realised because this Tory council, this is what normally happens. They'll be like, oh, bullying, bullying, bullying a young woman. Are you in? Oh, bullying yeah. a poor young Classic. young woman just because she's spoken about her experiences. Yeah, Constant. she's a an elected politician who's gone to a right-wing newspaper in order to monster trans people. I mean, well, that's yeah. the consequences, whatever a motive is. The, con- the, the the impact is people in a country where there's rampant bigotry towards trans people, this article is fueling the idea that trans people are in some ways a threat. The whole point of the article is to say this is why trans women represent a menace in, for example, women's toilets.
2: That's, that's yeah, the point. I mean, the whole thing's pretty ironic, really, because she... Um, she's writing this kind of performative, um, descent into bigotry. She says in the article that she didn't really think about trans people before, but now she's really sure that trans women shouldn't be in women's spaces. Um, but if you look at her Twitter from, from before the 15th of February, you can see very clearly she already hated trans people. Um, and, uh, actually what's happened is that I'm the one who's been sexually harassed here. She's published all these details, looking very closely at my body and obsessing over it. Mm Uh, she, she misheard me, be, presumably because she just sees a trans woman and all she can think is penis, 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 right? Yeah. And uh, it, it's made me feel like, less safe in, in, in public spaces. Um, and I don't, you know, I, if it has made her feel less safe, uh, that's very sad, but it is also her own in, just mishearing and uh, implicit biases that's done that, not, not anything that's actually like, seriously happened.
1: Yeah, so I mean, a few. Th- I thought about this. A few- I mean, again, look. I mean, I should say for legal reasons, we can't talk about. I can't talk about the motives of this person, and I'm sure she's not here to defend herself, etc., etc., etc. She has gone to a national newspaper, and what Sophie's referring to is she's liked tweets before this incident, which is indicative of a worldview <laughs> which um, regards trans rights as somehow a problem. Essentially, that's that's that that's that's what you're referring to, and that you can see that yeah. interest that's what she she liked tweets, which showed she took an interest in in the issue of, of the existence of trans people in a way which is aligned with the so-called gender critical movement, who regard trans rights as a or the trans rights movement or the existence of trans people as as posing supposed problems. That's that's her worldview. I yeah. wonder with when she said so. I, I my one of my theories is she actually did hear penis because she was because. Yeah she just
2: yes. sees a trans woman yeah. and she's thinking penis 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 penis, penis. Exactly. and it's just, just it's actually really creepy to just see a particular like demographic of any kind of people and, and only think about their genitals i've said this before but um are you familiar with linford christie and what happened to him no well so there was this athlete called linford christie oh i know who Linford christie is but yeah 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 okay. okay well <laughs> in this context for other people but like um there was this, this athlete called linford christie, and he was a black man and um because he beat white athletes in in uh, a race, or you know, consistently did, or whatever, um, the British <laughs> press started treating him really horribly, and and like they would celebrate his victory, but only in terms where they were calling him kind of animalistic and you know, classic racist tropes. And they they started talking constantly about his about his genitals, and they started this phrase Linford's lunchbox," and they were publishing all these pictures of his of his running shorts and his bulge in his shorts. And he went on to a talk show on um, national tv and you know he 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 cried trying to talk about it because he was trying to say look i just want to talk about my my running you know like Mm i i've worked all my life and i I work hard every day to be a good runner and all you want to talk about is my genitals and it's really disgusting um you know and i feel i feel much the same way you know i've been interviewed in rolling stone this week and i'm being interviewed on your show now and it's like i um you know I, i work very hard in the political sphere trying to like i have a show every week called red planet where we interview activists and organizers talking about like stuff that they do to change the world i make i make video essays now this is getting me interviews in rolling stone or 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 on here but uh but there was an article in the daily mail about about my genitals and so that's now that's the focus you know
1: what do you think it says i mean look i I think part of the problem is (laughs) no it's such a kind of We take it for granted, people like me and you, that the British media is a cesspit. It's just a a horrible... Stinking gutter. Well, so it's easy then to kind of go, well, you know. And so, just... sorry,
2: just to be clear, you know, even mm-hmm. even supposedly left wing journalism is also letting trans people down. And even when people are broadly speaking trans allies, a lot of the time trans people are there telling them for years and years and years we are being we are experiencing exterminationist politics. We are experiencing a genocide. And and people who call themselves our allies like ignore us and don't report on what we're saying. And then like. You know, I'm not, you know, targeting you with this specific thing. I mean, you are having me on right now. But, like, at the same time, it is because of this spectacle, right? And, like, it, it is, it's, it's deeply scary and frustrating to trans people when there's simultaneously right-wing rags who are calling for our extermination. And left-wing journalists who will say trans women are women, but they won't say, you know, the, 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 the right-wing are trying to exterminate us, are trying to wipe us out. You know, um, I really appreciated what you said uh, at the start of the stream about the the similarities to the gay moral panic in the 80s and 90s, because all of that moral panic when the AIDS crisis hit, it then was treated as unofficial policy to just kind of let it happen and, and just like through governmental neglect, let let so many gay people die well you know queer people of all kinds die and and others as well uh, everyone with aids uh, because they just didn't care and i think there's a really similar thing going on right now with trans like suicides and overdoses it's just treated as a feature of being trans that you'll probably kill yourself or or, or take too many drugs you know and it's 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 the same system of genocide through neglect I, in my opinion
1: with the daily mail i mean you know again even people who are kind of, even people frankly who are transphobic, a lot of them will go, Oh, yeah, the Daily Mail is a horrible, terrible rack and all the rest of it. Yeah. But it's, it's easy then for us not to scrutinize what they do because we just accept there's a pattern of behavior by the Daily Mail. And that's, it's almost like it rains on a bank holiday. The Daily Mail publishes horrible. <laughs> but what does it say that a national newspaper has done a big, extensive story based on? Uh, frankly, what anyone I think rational would look at as a completely absurd incident like, I, I, I surely yeah. an editor could j- sit down rationally and think, Did you maybe miss him? <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? But they printed, you think, it. right? Yeah, I,
2: I mean, it's um, th- there's a few things I'd like to get through with that. It's one is like um violence against women uh sexual assault is not something that the daily mail actually cares about unless it's weaponized to to hurt a minority and again i draw the the parallel between how this is used for racialized targeting of minorities and how it's being used against queer people, and how it's being used against specifically trans people now—they don't care about—they don't care about domestic violence. They don't care about sexual harassment. They don't care about sexual assault. They are—they are constantly propping up and defending people who engage in all of those behaviors, um, and silencing people who actually speak out against them. But they'll—they—they they have this very specific use for talking about it. I find the whole thing really disgusting. I'm a survivor of sexual assault myself, in fact it was fairly recent, and I'm still acutely dealing with the- with the- the trauma of that and processing it, and now I have to be- you know, now I have to slowly piece together that this article talking about people like me and calling us all, like, implicitly some kind of sexual predator, it's actually literally about me and calling me some kind of sexual predator. Oh no, what if it escalated? What if she'd gotten violent? It's like, what are you talking about? And this really- it's deeply hurtful. But, um, no, I, I wanted to say, um, we were uh, at the counter demo against Posey Parker, who, if people don't know, is a, a gender critical. But uh, frankly, it's a uh, it, she. She aligns with people who are openly fascist. She aligns constantly with white supremacists. Um, she she's worked with Tommy Robinson with the with the EDL. She's had fascists show up to defend her rallies from anti-fascist protesters. Um, you know, we were there. We were there um, countering her demo the other day, and I saw her side of the her side of the line behind the police. Funnily enough, the p- police were protecting them. And over half of the people there had big fancy camera rigs because they were all making content, right? I was the only, as far as I'm aware, I was the only like content creator on our side of things. And I wasn't there in, in my job capacity. I was there uh, as a trans woman defending my right to exist. Um, but, they, uh, but but gender criticals, it's, it's... My point is that it's a grift, right? And that they like that they're all just basically making content at each other and all interviewing each other in a big circle. And what what this says to me that the Daily Mail is, is willing to publish something that's so patently absurd is that people someone meets a, a trans woman for the fir- the, you know for the first time and whether she sincerely misheard me or not, um, you know she thinks, well, this could be a big opportunity for me to get get in on the turf grift. And she thinks that the the ground is so fertile, and the Daily Mail clearly agrees, the ground is so fertile for transphobia and for for making money off of transphobia, that you can publish absolutely any gibberish, no matter how patently absurd it is, to any sensible person.
1: I I mean, I I want to talk about the wider context, but I mean, just again, I mean, you've spoken a bit about this, but what's the kind of emotional impact of this? Because obviously, you've come out, you've written written about it, you've talked about it, but I mean, this was an article about you in a newspaper, which is a horrible newspaper, but you know, it's it's specifically written uh using you to have an attack on on well to be to be used to show trans people are a potential danger and all the rest of it. How do you feel emotionally? The impact.
2: Well, I mean, in 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 many ways I don't feel much different to how I how I do every day that anti-trans articles come out there are a thousand anti-trans articles in the uk press every month that that's 30 a day right and so on one level like not that different because because every day the the british press tries their absolute hardest to make people see us as predators and 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 uh, a threat that has to be has to be stamped out and that's very much their intention um when the when the Caroline Lowbridge article came out on the BBC, which as far as I'm aware the BBC still hasn't retracted, that that in no uncertain terms called trans women rapists, kind of based on our inherent characteristics, um, I felt terrified to go outside with my cis partner. My, you know, my, my, my partner Natalie, she, she's a cis woman, and you know, it, it really struck us both immediately that like if we're out in the public, and people see the two of us together, mm-hmm. uh, um, they might think it's their business to like try and intervene and get this scary trans woman away from this, this precious, delicate cis woman who needs to be protected. Um, but on another level, much, much more horrible, because uh, it is about me, and, or, you know, as far as I know, I mean, Ruby hasn't confirmed it, but her silence seems to somewhat confirm it, honestly.
1: Yeah that's um, interesting she hasn't I should say she hasn't responded to this at all has she, she well, a mean, to be
2: fair if she responded if she confirmed that it was me uh, it would classify it would be libel so it's probably a good move for her to not say that <laughs> that's but, interesting. um that's interesting but you know um it's uh on the other yeah on the other hand it is about me and she has you know made comments about my body in the national press and not just about my body but about my personhood she's she is she has said that that women like me shouldn't be in women's spaces. Mm-hmm. She said that women like me being around, me specifically being around makes her feel unsafe. And then she imagines a whole like horrible fantasy of, of me being sexually violent, which again, I'm a sexual assault survivor. And that's just, it's just mortifying and disgusting and dehumanizing to have, uh, to have yeah, something published in the national press then in, in, implying that I am some kind of sexual threat.
1: I mean, let's put this in the broader context, because as I've said at the beginning, we, there is an anti-trans moral panic, um, which has been escalating. Uh, but yeah. I think it's really gone to a whole new level, I, I would say, actually. Yeah. In, in Especially Eastern in
2: America. America. I mean, the last few days even, right, with the, the bills banning, um, banning people from even like wearing clothes that, you know, I mean, essentially just banning trans people from existing in public
1: in some states. It, well, exactly, yeah. I mean, we've seen, yeah. in, I mean, because people might be familiar, I suppose, with the bathroom bills, um, mm. which prevent trans people from using the correct toilet facilities for their gender. Um, but for those who don't know, various states have banned gender-affirming health care and criminalised parents who seek such gender-affirming health care for their, for their trans offspring. Yeah. Um, but also, as you say, they've, there's this they, one state banned well, it's banning basically dressing up in the clothes of the opposite gender. I mean, it's just, I can't even... Yeah,
2: it, it, it's framed around drag, but it's very yeah. clearly meant to target trans people, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, and, and we've seen, I mean, you know, actually heard what I'd say genocidal rhetoric um, from right-wing commentators in the US who are just openly saying they want trans people to be eradicated, just don't, don't, yeah. to no longer exist. absolutely. What, I mean, what where do you think we're at at the moment? Well, I mean, uh, where, where what kind of where is this heading? But where do you well, think there's, we're at?
2: There's a scale of, uh, uh, and it's not a necessarily exactly chronological scale, but there are features of genocide emerging uh, that's been that's been uh, studied and, and classified by academics before. Um, language that dehumanizes. I think uh, there are good examples of that in this very article um, there's laws treating us, uh, as second-class citizens, that, you know, that's, uh, for one thing, that's already happening very clearly in the U.S., but I'd say that's happening here in the U.K. too, I mean, um, the, the U.K. is taking active steps backwards on trans equality, they are putting trans women into men's prisons, where, by the way, trans women in prisons are, uh, 60% of trans women in prisons get, get raped, um, and, you know, um, that, that, that's a, a clear like segregation in law we've experienced segregation in 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 uh law already for such a long time in the in the sense that like the the gender recognition act that having gender recognition certificates that's you know having to change your details on your birth certificate isn't as complicated for anyone as it is for trans people um and in and in other states all around the world it's it's not like this we they don't have a you know a license to say you're trans in 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 so many other countries Um, and then there's of course medical segregation, where every other person in the UK, uh, uh, well, hopefully, but it's the Tories mission to stop this, gets free medicine that's based on informed consent. They go to their doctor and they say, I've got this, and I want this treatment, and I'd like it now. And, and for trans people, you know, you go and you say, I'm trans, and I'd like med- I'd like healthcare related to that, and they say, okay, uh, I don't believe you, come back back, uh, in a month and tell me that you're sure. And you come back and they say, okay, now go see two psychologists and make sure that they both diagnose you with gender dysphoria. And you go and do that and they come back and they say, well, I'm still not sure, um, so I'm not going to give you the stuff, but I'm going to put you on a waiting list. And the waiting list will be, you know, five to ten years um, if you're lucky, but it gets longer every day. You know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, we've been treated as second-class citizens for in, in so many regards already, and it's it's worsening. It is very clearly worse.
0: Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great... Great kitchen, And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey,
2: it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: I think one of the things we've seen in this country as well is, um, I mean, the Tories have been whipping this up deliberately in the way they did in the 1980s with gay people. Section 28 was introduced to ban the so-called promotion of homosexuality in schools and public bodies, um, which was... Can we we,
2: we... we take one second to just just talk through the implications of Section 28 for one second? because. Because So Meyer has this excellent book called A Nazi Word for a Nazi Thing. And it's about the erasure of queer people from history and from the Holocaust specifically. So Meyer is a non binary Jewish person and a fantastic author. And um, they wrote that under Section 28, they could not learn that gay people were killed in the Holocaust. Right. Because that would be presenting a bad thing that happened, you know, un- un- uncomplicatedly bad, the Holocaust, as happening to a group gay people and therefore implying that it gay people did not deserve for it to happen to them and thereby promoting homosexuality so section 28 actively uh uh, created circumstances of holocaust denial in the british education system and that's horrifying i mean it's horrifying already on its own to to um insist that, that 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 gay people are too dangerous for children to learn about but we have to see that there are wider implications that affect everyone's understanding of the world around them that don't just relate to to queer people and i think the same is true now uh with trans people it's been commented on before that transphobia is like the biggest uh entry point for far-right radicalization at the moment and that's a very deliberate tactic that people are using you know um there are always wider implications and people who think that they can just kind of look away and focus on other stuff uh and that it won't come back to bite them um well, that's very foolish. That's, that's all I wanted to say. I'm sorry for interrupting.
1: No, 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 no. It's, it's a, it's a really, really important point. Um, and I mean, back in the 1980s, it just I mean, because I was just thinking about Section 28 because it was a so-called what we now call a culture war. And I think we should be honest about what a culture war is. It's an attempt to, yeah. use backlash against the claims for justice and equality of minorities and women. Um, mm. and that's what. And, they, and and, and you know, because culture wars. I think it misrepresents what's actually happening. It's 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 basically, yeah, pushback against, or bigotry, which is weaponized for political ends against minorities. And that was used, Section 28 was used to attack progressives in the 1980s, this idea of lo- yeah. lunar left councils which were allied to, with gay activists who were brainwashing children um, into becoming gay. Now, the role of the Labour Party is interesting then because Patricia Hewitt, who was then Neil Kinnock's... Um, Spin doctor, basically. Yeah. Um, and she wrote, um, the loony, Le- the loony, Le- sorry, the loony label left is now taking its toll. The gays and lesbians issue is costing us dear amongst pensioners. That's what she wrote. Now the right. reason I'm bringing up is, you know, everyone now likes to think they'd have been on the right side not everyone but most people on on the issue of gay rights but in the 1980s hostility towards gay people was very very actually it was higher than it is towards trans people just absolutely pretty social attitude surveying 1988 had basically two-thirds of the british population thought homosexuality was always or mostly wrong and of that 50% sorry 50% of our population said always wrong Um, So, you know, it took courage to to speak out at the time in support of gay rights. And actually not that many people did. And there were a few gay people in in the public domain. Yeah. What do you not think it's interesting? I mean, the point now about the Labour leadership is their refusal to take... To, to push back against transphobia is one of the problems because it's... Facilitated- well, I think a step
2: further than a refusal to push back against transphobia. Keir Starmer has met with the the head of Mumsnet, which is a popular site for organising transphobia, and he said that... He said there, clearly trying to pander to transphobia, that he doesn't think that kids should be allowed to change their names without parental approval or socially transition without parental approval. And that is, that is a transphobic position, and that is Keir Starmer siding with transphobia. And furthermore, again clearly trying to
1: pander to bigots i mean and that's kind of that is legitimizing isn't it because in the sense that the reason that's so pernicious and dangerous is people will go well you can dismiss the tories as being right-wing and bigoted but um, even the labor party is saying this do you see what i mean yeah. it, it gives it a legitimacy
2: absolutely absolutely and then you see and then you see children like brianna jai being murdered and it's uh it, it 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 there's an implication in P- in Keir Starmer's politics that aligns with uh the, the the attack that cost her her life to be honest
1: and i should say I and mean, this isn't just just because obviously there's i'm 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 just saying this for legal reasons uh, there's an investigation ongoing of course in the murder of the young trans girl Brianna and we know that We don't know about the circumstances yet. That's what the trial will find. But we know she was bullied for being trans. And that's that's in the public domain. And it's very very important we say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And almost all trans young people are bullied in this country. And trans people deserve uh, so, so much better. What do you Uh think? What can people who want to be allies do at the moment? (laughs) Given Just this one article. uh, (laughs) If you look up trans and the Daily Mail any newspaper, it's on a daily basis now. It's just so many articles. What can people? Do? Yeah,
2: I mean, so many things. Um, the 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 um... no. I'm going to leave off the obvious one for one second because I want to get to something that really gets overlooked absolutely all the time. Um, even our most progressive politicians, like Jeremy Corbyn, are bad on this issue. Um, sex workers' rights. Um, Intersect with tra- intersect with trans rights in a in absolutely crucial way, and no one is speaking out for sex workers in British politics, and it is absolutely shameful. Um, the way that it intersects with tra- with trans rights is that the 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 vast majority of the worst violence that trans people face is trans sex workers, especially trans sex workers of colour. Obviously, trans women of colour, um, even if they aren't sex workers, are also disproportionately facing uh, the brunt of the violence. But um, but uh, the fact that no one is sticking up for sex workers' rights and no one is actually proposing um, a policy environment that would make sex workers any safer... Uh, you know, this, when I say this about Jeremy Corbyn, I mean that he supported the Nordic model, which, um, in criminalizing the clients who see sex workers, still doesn't actually make them safe. It doesn't actually. Uh, it 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 means that sex workers won't go to go won't go to jail if they try and seek legal recourse, but they still have to meet with clients in in secretive ways because the client fears, uh, you know, criminalization, and that leaves sex workers incredibly vulnerable to violence. And we need to stick up for sex workers because trans people are massively disproportionately in poverty, massively disproportionately homeless, and that drives people uh, to desperate options. And I'm not um, in any sense saying that uh, all sex work is done because of, you know, as survival sex work or out of desperation, but a a good amount of it is. And uh, in the case of a lot of trans people, That is what's happening, and then they are exposing themselves to violence. So to care about trans rights is to care about sex workers' rights, and people need to uh, make sure that they incorporate this into the conversation more often. That is one thing allies can do. Now onto the more obvious thing. Cis people need to listen to what trans people are saying and not instinctively push back on it. While I've been talking, uh, there's been, there have been people in, in this, uh, comment section who've been saying that, you know, oh, I think genocide is a bit of an extreme thing and it's a bit of a hyperbolic thing to say. I am... I am trans and I'm telling you that we are facing genocide. I am telling you that we are facing exterminationist politics that is trying to wipe us out as a demographic. It is specifically targeting our ability to reproduce. It is specifically uh, targeting trans children to try to stop children being trans. These are all, by the UN's definition of genocide, this meets the criteria of genocide. But I shouldn't have to actually go to, like, a um, rational point-by-point argument to explain to you why you're wrong, you should hear me and then you should think trans people believe they are experiencing a genocide. I should take on that as the, the position that I should, you know, look into further and understand what they mean by that. I shouldn't be pushing back and saying, oh, that's hyperbolic and cheapens the word or whatever. What I should be doing is turning around to other cis people and telling them trans people are experiencing a genocide. Trans people are facing extermination and extinction and genocidal politics, and it's on us to stop that. Right? It, it, ultimately, there are so many more of you cis people than there are of us, and you can make the difference by turning around to other cis people and telling them what we say, rather than, uh, rather than uh, responding to what we say with this 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 cynicism, this skepticism. It's it's profoundly unhelpful, and furthermore, like. It's wasting everyone's energy, right? Because we're not we're not uh, we're not being so uh, hysterical and alarmist. And by the way, when I say that, it should be apparent how this is the kind of language that's always weaponized against minorities to try to get them to shut up about their about their own uh, extermination. Um, we're, we're not being like that. We're, we're we're accurately describing what is happening to us, and then all this wasted energy is is uh, being spent arguing from our supposed allies against us when it should be that you turn 180 degrees, you see a cis person who does not understand the issues and you tell them what we've been telling you, not arguing with us about uh, our own lives and our own obvious like, understanding of our own reality.
1: What do you think is next in terms of, I don't know, in terms of organising within the trans rights movement? Because although we've seen throughout history when you get these horrendous bouts of bigotry and hatred, it is often because there are, you know, attempts by trans people to be, oh, sorry, by minorities to organise themselves, to have their voices heard, uh, have claims for justice and equality. Do you think, you know, I mean, when people talk about the trans rights movement, is there a cohesive trans rights movement in this country? And what do you think, the strategy is going to be given I think things have really ratcheted up quite significantly in the recent period?
2: Yeah um I don't think that right now there is a very cohesive uh, cohesive um organized trans rights uh movement um I think that trans people show up on mass when there's enough of um an alarming spectacle which uh drives people emotionally to show up um I think for example you know Brianna Jai's murder Um, got uh, people out for vigils and protests all up and down the country Um, but that doesn't speak to um, an organised push to improve our safety and equality Um, so I think there are enormous areas for us to do better Um, when I say us I mean trans people and our cis allies um, but especially our cis allies because again there are so many more of you Um, there are two fronts one is community safety and the protection of trans people from violence and one is the uh is the sabotage of systems that are killing us so um first community safety um cis people need to show up better to protect trans people the first uh counter demo i went to against Posey parker who again aligns uh, herself with white supremacist fascists people that that anyone would call a fascist very very openly some people who call themselves fascists and wear swastikas even um the uh the anti-fascists of uh the you know london community didn't really show up to that and though it was it was basically just you know uh, a dozen trans people just trans people sticking up for trans people um at a more recent one you know we did outnumber them but cis anti-fascists need to do better that's an example of somewhere where like she is preaching the extermination of uh, our. You know, she is preaching our extermination, and uh, that shouldn't be allowed. We should. We should, as a community, be stopping that as anti-fascists. Um, and then there's also protection. You know, the, the protection of trans safety. Through um, less direct kind of confrontational means, like trans people are made more safe when we have better access to healthcare, made more safe when we don't don't face uh, workplace discrimination, when we feel safe to go out in public, when we don't feel like we might go into a pub and have a Daily Mail article written about us. All of these are fronts where, like, pushing back on this would make us safer, right? So, um, medical equality, legal equality, safety in public—these all uh, would improve our safety. but um the other one i say about sabotage of the systems that are hurting us one of the biggest places i see that going to be trans organizing in 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 the coming period is putting pressure on nominally left-wing groups to stand up for trans people or else like not get uh support of people who who support trans people if you call yourself a cis ally and if you if you uh if you if you recognize that we are being uh that there is an attempt to wipe us out you need to say to for example the labor party unless you pull your shit together on this unless you stand up for trans people and actually make it like worthwhile and meaningful uh, as a difference against the the current project of extermination you don't get my vote, you don't get my support. And and that sounds horrifying to people when I say it. That sounds like, well, don't you want the Tories to get out? Of course I want the Tories to get out. But Rosie Duffield, the Labour MP, is going to hate rallies, the LGB Alliance, right, a, a, an anti-trans um, hate organisation. And she's going there as a guest speaker, right? Uh, Keir Starmer is meeting with the the head of Mumsnet. Um, th- this kind of stuff, we, we need to... Um, form an organized block that has solidarity across all sorts of issues i mentioned already sex workers but i think that you know we need to be standing shoulder to shoulder as uh black and minority ethnic britons as uh unionized workers as environmentalists as people who care about trans rights as people who care about sex workers rights as people who care about immigrants we need to all have one another's backs and say to you know and and again this is just when it, when it regards like Um, changing the mainstream, putting pressure on the mainstream, saying to the Labour Party, I'm not going to support you if you don't care about migrants, if you don't care about unions, if you don't care about trans people, if you don't care about sex workers, if you don't care about black and minority ethnic Britons. And that's, that's, that's a viable strategy for actual change. Um, So yeah, I do see some, I do see some uh, likelihood of people organizing around um, basically refusing to support the Labour Party um, and putting pressure on the Labour Party to do better on this because they're absolutely appalling and currently are harbouring absolutely vicious transphobes in their ranks and it's pathetic. Um, Yeah,
1: Sophie, you've been wonderful and I really appreciate you talking about this because it's not easy at all, I know, to talk about this. This is a really horrible experience for you to have gone through. I do hope. I mean, I'm sure you have seen the love and the solidarity that you've that you've had, and I hope that at least shows, despite this being a pretty bleak time for trans people. Yeah. Right I,
2: the, the community's come out behind me enormously, but I just want the community to come out this hard against every obvious nonsensical lie and every trans person who's targeted by this kind of stuff, because then we can then we can actually change something.
1: Amen, and I and I hope people listening to this or watching this feel galvanized to do to do more in the way that you've you've set out. Um Sophie, anyone but by the way, if you're not following Sophie on YouTube, please do so. Sophie from Mars, look up and follow, subscribe, and support Sophie in any way that you can. Uh but Sophie, really, really appreciate it. You've been a um you've been a superstar and uh, love and solidarity always. Take care. See you back. Great. So really appreciate Sophie joining us uh to talk about that. Um really horrible experience. But as I said, very as she so eloquently put it, so indicative of so much more going on. Um, the anti-trans moral panic, I mean, maybe calling it a moral panic is kind of not doing it sufficient justice, a hate campaign. Um, it is, I think it's escalating in ways which are disturbing because if you take, I don't know, anti-vax sentiment, that's, a, that's one example of people who are often quite quite vulnerable people who go down rabbit holes online and get radicalised, you've seen them, and they become obsessed, like it becomes an all-consuming obsession. You can look on their Twitter feeds, all they're talking about is anti-vax this, anti-vax that. Uh, they're often talking about how children are targeted, that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and they're angry at you know what they see is everyone being complicit and you know it's all very conspiratorial. But the thing is, anti vax sentiment is not respectable. it's not it's frowned upon by most of the media. So there's an obvious pushback against it. And I think the problem with anti trans radicalization, and it should be seen as a form of radicalization like, a, like any other form of radicalization, you can see what happens. People's lives are taken over by it. I mean, people who become transphobic, it becomes their one issue. That doesn't matter. If an asteroid is about to hit the planet, they would be talking about trans people and nothing else. That It's like, I mean, it, by the way, it puts those of us who are allies at a disadvantage because obviously I'm passionate about trans rights, I'm passionate about LGBTQ rights. I'm also passionate about the climate emergency, racism, the housing crisis, the crisis in our health service, poverty. Um, I mean, I could go on. I mean, like, there's about a million, You know, it's just like 1 billion issues, uh, trade unions, strikes, a million issues that I care about. But they only care about this one issue. And that puts them, at a, unfortunately, at an advantage because they can just obsess. They think about trans rights and trans people more than trans people do. It's that level of total, all-consuming radicalization, which is actually quite hard to combat because it's respectable. There's nothing pushing back on it. So you've got people who are radicalized. It's taken over their lives. And rather than people going, wow, you need someone needs to do an intervention here. This is not healthy behavior. Even if you've got so-called concerns, people but be like, how could this possibly be, this existence of a tiny minority, how can it possibly be so important to take over your entire life? You don't even have that. People are just, like, nodding along. Like, say Graham Linehan. Like, anyone rational would look at the descent of Graham Linehan, who used to be a much-celebrated and loved comedy writer, Father Ted, etc. cetera, faithfully series, ruined now, forever. Um, anyone rational would look at his descent and go, oh, my God, what's happened to you? This is so disturbing, Graham. Look at what's happened to your life. This is completely taken over in a way which is objectively horrifying and disturbing. That's what would happen. But instead, he's got all these people online going, well done, Graham. Good. Another good intervention. Cheering him on. Similarly, people, his lives have been taken over in this way. It's really, really actually quite disturbing. And the problem is this, unlike anti-vaxxers, this cult, and it is a cult, is very well connected and signal boosted by mo- almost the entire British media and by the Conservative Party. It's it, and and I'm afraid, as Sophie says, much of the Labour Party or significant chunks of it. It's, I mean, it's really, really, really disturbing. And I like you can see in the future because I don't think this anti trans hate campaign is just going to go that's just a permanent feature of our lives or of, of, sorry, trans people's lives, but a permanent p- 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 um, fixture in British society. I don't buy it at all. <laughs> I obviously think what's going to happen is people are going to become more accepting of trans people particularly younger generations who will then as they get older will keep their support for being trans inclusive um, and people will i just think look back at this period in horror that i think also kind of like disturbed fascination <laughs> because it is it it has become a, a form of hysteria um which in no way is could ever be described as proportionate um, because we're talking about the existence of a very small minority, the vast majority are just people who just want to live happy lives, like, I mean, well, that's, I mean, like anybody else. Um, it, it's just a really, really disturbing moment. And I think it will be studied um, at length, academic studies in the future about what the hell happened. And I do think what Sophie talks about um, in terms of like looking at historical parallels, because you know, when we do look back at hor- like murderous atrocities in the past, they all—I can't remember—he said this, but they all start with words. That's the point. It doesn't start with killings. It start. It always starts with words. You always have a minority which is defiled, defamed, attacked, libelled, and um, and then it becomes increasingly permissible to say anything you want about them. And when you get to that stage, you strip that minority of their humanity and that the lesson from history, because if we look back at the horrors of history, you look at, you know, mass murder, for example, and say, well, the people who did that must have been sociopaths, but they weren't sociopaths. They were people like you, I'm afraid <laughs> in that, you know, there are people who, who, who cry uh, when sad things happen to them or, or feel pity towards others in distress, people who might help an old lady across the road. And then they, Ended up committing unspeakable horrors against other people, but they stopped seeing them as human beings, didn't they? They had that, they were no longer humans. And when you strip people of their humanity, that's when it becomes permissible to do anything to them. And that is the lesson throughout history. We saw that with 2000 years of anti Semitism, of course, and where, you know, the Holocaust did not appear from nowhere. You had 2000 years of blood libel. Um, of um of pogroms of, of you know you know all sorts of horrible you know fantasies and conspiratorial nonsense about Jews but we've seen this throughout history about every targeted minority where you get it becomes where where people who see themselves as reasonable people who are kind of just you know not you know who 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 buy into it you know people who see themselves as moderate and all the rest of it they buy into it and it becomes uh, a kind of you know, a universal common sense amongst large chunks of society that it is legitimate to target this particular minority. That's when you end in a very, very dangerous place, and that is where we're heading with trans people. I, I was watching rants, the so-called Daily Wire, which is a right-wing outlet, and you just have, you know, one commentator, Candace Owens, who was saying she she just said, "I've never met a trans person that I like that all selfish and nasty or whatever." She just, I mean, it's just, it, it's just incompletely astonishing how it's possible to have ended up in that position. And that's why this is a very, very dangerous moment. And that's why it's important that people speak out. Uh, David Barata asks, is there a party in the UK that actually openly supports trans rights? The Greens have their own issues at the moment. That is true, actually. The Scottish Greens um, severed links with the English Greens over the issues of institutional transphobia. There are people within the Green Party, including the leadership, who are supportive and trans-inclusive in a way that the Labour Party isn't, I would say. But they definitely have their own issues uh, to deal with which trans people have i know been speaking out very much and the greens obviously need to address more so yes very good point tad campwell thanks sophie for the explanation especially on genocide um okay i i believe i'm a bit i'm just gonna be honest i'm a bit hungover so i'm not as coherent as maybe maybe somebody like to be actually never that coherent <laughs> more coherent than normal <laughs> um yeah so i'm gonna leave and go for, try go for a run to wake myself up but thanks everybody for joining we've got videos of course throughout the week and interviews um coming up uh thanks to tag Mother and david brighter um and uh yeah as i said do support uh, sophie and her work do follow her obviously if you're not already on social media just look up sophie from mars and you'll find her and um, other than that if you are watching or listening on the podcast and um, thank you for tuning in and press like and subscribe Supports on patreon.com forward slash 84 Lots of love. See you in a bit.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen